keep digging deeper. Jeff Antoniak here. Welcome to the video. So today we're going to expand our conversation on rhythm changes. It's such an important thing for us to learn, songs based on rhythm changes. So I've done two other videos on this topic, and of course these are for all instruments. This is not saxophone specific stuff. Uh, two other videos. The first one started with diatonic sort of playing over rhythm changes. The idea of staying in the tonic key, very often B flat. I'll give a demonstration of that towards the end of the video. Um, the second approach, and again, I'm holding up three fingers. I don't know why I do that. The second approach is getting inside the chord changes. What Charlie Parker was doing, what, what Dizzy Gillespie and Clifford Brown were doing, and all the other great players. How to get that sound of getting inside the chord changes. So certainly go back and look at those videos if you haven't yet. So I want to expand things in this third video on rhythm changes, and we might do a fourth, a fifth one, just to sort of give you some approaches that I'm aware of and that I use personally when I play rhythm changes. So what we're gonna to do today is talk about something that Joe Henderson played over rhythm changes. And uh, let me put the sheet up for you so you can see what we're talking about. And I'm going to loop two A sections for you and play this material. So I'm gonna play these four measures, the first four measures of an A section, then I'm gonna improvise for four. Then I'm gonna play it a second time. So I'm gonna play two A sections and I'm just gonna play this material for you for the first four measures each time. That's uh, pretty hip sounding stuff, isn't it? Uh, very cool solo that Joe Henderson played. Here's the thing, I can't find what album it's from. I learned that years ago. And uh, over the last week or so, I listened to about 45 different Joe Henderson solos that I thought it might be from and I can't find it. So if anybody out there recognizes that, please let me know where did I hear him play that. But it stuck with me, it was very, very cool. Now, if we look, at the first item on the sheet, it's a transcription relative to the rhythm changes we all know and love, the one, six, two, five chord progression. And if that doesn't quite make sense to you, you can go back and get some uh, information on it, the typical rhythm changes. Now, when we look at that, there's a bunch of wrong notes, tons of wrong notes there. Some of them, maybe some of us are sort of uh, hip enough to see, oh, in beats three and four, he did a tritone substitute. Over the G7, he played material from D flat, a tritone sub. Okay, cool. So there is some of that in here. But then in the second half of the lick, it's hard to make sense of the melody that he's playing relative to those chord changes. Now that is the hip part. It sounds organized though. When I play it for you without the chords, there is definitely an architecture there. We hear organization, but it's not the same organization as rhythm changes. And to me, that's really the key of this video is the idea that we can use organizations 
other than rhythm changes when we're playing rhythm changes. Okay, so yes, we know we can use chord substitutions. A substitution, a good substitution, is literally a chord that serves the same function, right? I could have another great jazz teacher come here and teach this lesson for me, and they would be a good substitute. They're good at talking about jazz. They know what they're talking about, et cetera, et cetera. Good substitute, right? Now, Joe is playing some things there that aren't even substitutes, yet it works. Okay, so he's literally playing an organization that, frankly, if we freeze time and analyze vertically what's going on over the G7 chord in the third measure, he's playing an A-flat triad. I guess we could say, well, he's playing up a half step, which is true. That doesn't make it correct. It, sure, you said what he's doing, but how do we actually understand that in a framework? How do you now take that and play with it? Do you just play everything up a half step? It's not what he's doing. So that's kind of what we're looking at here today. So um, if we look at the second item on the sheet, what I did is wrote out the chords that he was almost certainly thinking. By the melody that he played, I could tell the chords. I'd love to talk to him. It's not going to happen, though. But I'm pretty clear what he was thinking because his melodies were so simple. He was either playing the one, two, three, five pattern, which he plays on the first couple chords. He also plays it descending at one point. So he's playing this one, two, three, five pattern, or plays it in reverse, five, three, two, one. Everything else is a triad. clear melodically what he was thinking about harmonically. So here are the chord changes that I think he was really playing, had in mind. They would sound like this. So I just played the roots of the chords that I have at the bottom of the sheet, the B flat, D flat, C, B natural, B flat, A flat, G flat, F. Um, that is what was going on in his melody. So what I believe Joe was doing is he came up with an alternate set of chord changes. He did not really care if they fit with regular rhythm changes. Further, I would say he wanted them to not fit a lot of the time. If he came up with alternate chord changes that fit perfectly, they're not alternate. They're synonyms. They, they mean the exact same thing, right? So he wanted to come up with something that had a lot of sense to itself that he would overlay and he would come up with a lot of crazy sounding stuff. Then what Joe Henderson was good at doing was swinging his ass off with playing with one of the great saxophone sounds of all time, playing with that intensity and that sense of intellect, but humor. I mean, to me, he had all this stuff going on. So yes, how he played this stuff is what made it work. 
okay? So the rhythm section was playing the regular chords. They were not playing these substitutes. They had no idea he was gonna do this. They were playing the regular chords. Joe overlaid this other crazy stuff over it. Okay, so one thing I'll say really quickly here, we went very fast through a lot of things. I talked about tritone substitutes and one, six, two, fives, and some of us know it, some of us have heard of it, but don't know what it is. Some of us have some questions. Well, this is exactly what we do day in, day out at jazzwire.net. So if you find yourself eager for a little bit more of this, or if you wanna ask me a question, or how about if you would like to interact every day with hundreds of adult jazz musicians from around the globe, and have me come in on those conversations. Ask me direct questions and I will answer. So that's what we do there. So if you find yourself in that position with these videos or somebody else's videos you're watching, yes, please do join us at Jazzwire. Okay, so this idea. Now, what do you do with it? These videos that I do, digging deeper, I want this stuff actionable. So, couple thoughts behind this all. The idea that you can come up with something other than rhythm changes and play it over rhythm changes. That happens a lot. It happened back in the bebop era. And there's various sets of chord changes we can use. I wanted to present this Joe Henderson stuff to you today. Um, the idea that they may not fit. When you stop and analyze a beat vertically, we call it, meaning here's a chord and here's the notes he played, let me analyze this. It will not work out. You'll drive yourself nuts. It isn't going to work out because he was thinking about something different. Let's look at what he was thinking about. In the first two measures, he had this neat chromatic thing. He started on the root, went up a minor third, and then came down. I just played the first two measures over and over again. And that's a very cool sound. It also happens to come from some tritone substitutes. He tritone subbed the second and the fourth chord. And that's where we got that cool half step motion. Those of you that know a little bit about tritone subs, when we see descending half step root motions in chords, you're probably looking at a tritone sub. There's one or two other typical possibilities, but it's almost always a tritone sub. So that's a cool architecture. He created this neat up a minor third, then come back down to home. That's a cool shape. It's a strong shape. Now, that's very important. And this is important point 392 here, um, that when you're going to do this kind of playing or any kind of playing that's sort of going against the grain, your sense of organization, playing it like you mean it, all those how things that I mentioned, how you are playing, playing with intention, playing with great momentum and time and feel. This stuff doesn't work very well. It's like trying to do a magic trick, an illusion. But if you're trying to do that magic trick and you're not very sure of yourself and there's one or two little fumbles, you're, it's done. You're over. It ain't going to happen, right? People have lost the illusion you're trying to pull off. Joe Henderson is a magician here pulling off some crazy stuff. Now, in the second half of the lick, measures three and four, that's where he starts really going against the grain. And what he's doing, the organization, is he starts going down in whole steps. So he goes down in whole steps three times, B flat down to A flat down to G flat. 
And now he probably thinks to himself, I'm right at the end of a four-measure four phrase. I probably freaked out everybody in the audience to this point. Let me, let me prove to them I know what I'm doing. So he goes down a half step to the F chord and plays a big fat 5-1. <laughs> He ends it with the most inside thing you've ever heard, that 5-1, F, G, A, C, B flat. It's vintage, classic Joe Henderson, where he's playing the most outrageously out stuff, but then serves it to you on a silver platter when he comes out of it. It's not just BS. He knows right where he is. He's playing crazy chords, but here's important point, 394 is look at the melodic stuff that these chords got him to play. He could have played a zillion things over this D flat chord or this B chord or this A flat chord that he was thinking about. But what did he play? Amazingly simple material. One, two, three, five, and triads. The simplest possible stuff. Why would he play so simply if he's playing so outside? Well, I was never an English teacher and I, <laughs> that's a good thing. But I do remember that a double negative is a positive. So when you use two negatives in your sentence, you didn't just get really negative. You went back on yourself and you've agreed, right? So when you use two negatives, it's a positive, a double negative. So now if you play outside chord changes and then play outside material over the outside chord changes, you just landed back to being diatonic. If you do a tritone sub and then play altered material on the tritone sub, you've just gone back to the B flat major scale. It's kind of how it works. So this is an important lesson. If this is the only thing you get from this video, good. When you start dealing with uh, alternate chord changes, be so clear about the alternate change, right? People in the audience don't know what you're doing. They want to hear you play. They, they need to hear the structure of the alternate thing, if they have any chance of thinking you're not insane. And we don't want that. Typically, we don't want that. All right. I think you get the idea of this thing. I'm going to play it one more time for you just so we know what we're listening to. And then what I want to do is play through uh, a bunch of A sections. I'm going to play a couple A sections like the very first video I did, quite diatonic. The second A section, I'm going to be playing more of the typical chord changes, more bebop chord tone kind of stuff. Then the next time through, I'm going to be using this Joe Henderson material. And I want you to think about how they sound different to you. First of all, do they sound different? They should. And as your ears get more developed, they will. Um, do you prefer one over the other? That's allowed. Just because I presented this doesn't mean you have to put it into your playing, right? So which do you like? Is there one you don't quite get, but you're intrigued by? Okay, that's interesting and how you may mix and match them. So my goal is for you to be able to put on a Miles Davis recording or a Chris Potter recording or whoever you love listening to, hear them play some rhythm changes. And can you hear times where they're playing more diatonically and melodically? Times when they're playing inside the written chord changes. Times when they may be overlaying some other information. So as I said, I'm going to do some playing for you right now. Two A sections, diatonic. I'm going to be, do two A sections with chord changes, chord tones, and then two A sections with this Joe Henderson kind of material. There won't be any bridge. I'm just going to do a bunch of A sections in a row. 
Hope you enjoy this. Please leave some comments. And of course, I want to see you down at jazzwire.net. Would love to get to work with you a little bit more personally. And of course, these PDFs are always free. Send us uh, an email at diggingdeeperjazz at gmail.com. We'll get it off to you. All right, let's do some playing. <laughs>